John. Really? <laughs> How are you? Good. Yeah. How are I, you? I'm good. I'm good. I was sitting here relaxing and it got uh, windy all of a sudden or breezy and my, my chime outside is going crazy. <laughs> so if it's too loud, let me know. You have wind chimes? I like those. I do. I have a beautiful wind chime. And um, anyway, it just makes a, it's big. You know, it's pretty, it's big and, and it's loud. <laughs> <laughs> Did you make it or buy it? What no, actually uh, a neighbor was moving and uh, didn't want it. And so I got it. Cause it's it a was... nice way to acquire stuff. Right? Like yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, he moved and I was like, I, and the moment I moved in, I'm like, I just love that bell because you can hear it everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the neighborhood. Yeah, hey, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I just like all those sounds. And um, so anyway, if it gets too loud, let me know. All right. So what have you been doing? Uh, well, I've been... Uh... Clean out my backyard today. Yeah. And um, uh, I'm not accustomed to that, but it's just all right. I mean, I mean, I'm just selling stuff I don't want, getting rid of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, putting stuff on eBay, taking it to the local store, whatever, just trying to see, you know, I mean, it's amazing what I can see when I start to get rid of stuff, you know, like, well, I didn't know I had that. Well, isn't that something? Right. Um, it's not that bad. I'm just, you know, I'm yeah. myself, but... Um, I wonder if we're all going through it. I wonder if it's something that we're all going through right now, like just purging. Well, I think I what happened was I had a conversation with you a long time ago. I mean, measuring maybe weeks or months mm-hmm. about um, about you making a command decision to kind of get rid of stuff, you know, purge yourself, mm-hmm. get, get rid of things. You remember that conversation? Or you uh, that? Um, not not necessarily, no, but. Go on. Well, have you done it before? I mean, you weren't bullshitting me, were you? That's true. Purging? Am I getting, am I, yeah. I mean, not a purge, not literally, but I mean, just, you know, selling stuff off that you don't want, getting rid of it, my, not keeping all your clothes. I literally keeping... put my my couch in the trash two days ago. Well, I haven't been that dramatic. <laughs> 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 when I'm done, I'm done. I don't care. <laughs> Well, well, okay. I guess we're on the same path. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I was talking to somebody yesterday and she was telling me how hard it is to get rid of her stuff and organize and she's got it everywhere in piles and and I'm like, just carry a trash bag around with you, you know, when when you're at the house and just ask yourself, Do I really need that? Do you really need it? Take a picture of it. Do you really need it? You know. Um because yeah. yeah. it starts to add up. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. The thing is, though, it's an emotional decision for me. Yeah. It seems to be anyway, because I, I get this attachment to stuff, and I don't know. Anyway, yeah. I'm doing it. That's what, that's, that's what I'm doing anyway. Mm. That's what I'm doing. And, uh, some things. Yeah, some, some things. Mm-hmm, some things. I mean, I can look at everything and, and know where I got it, where it came from, pretty much the time period that it happened, you know? And uh, and then you create attachments that way, you know. Like, yes. Yeah, consider yes. the attachment. Like, is it really that important? Who cares? Oh, I do. Well, I do because I start talking to it. You know, I start talking to this stuff. 
having conversations with it. Yeah, not everything. There's got to be some things that are more special, right? Well, of course they are, but they're all inert. So I know that I have to, I have to breathe life into them to have a conversation. You know, like I'm looking at a jacket here, a couple, three jackets, actually, this one anyway, a couple of hats. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, like I'm looking at this, this, uh, the Snowy River here on the left side of my hall tree. I mean, you know, I took that all the way to the head of Toby Inlet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, stood naked on the side of a hill, smoking a cigar in front of a fire. Yeah. You know, yeah. and the hat. I, I did that in that hat, you know. Uh, just, commis- you know, communing with uh, whatever was there, mostly flying bugs, but it was okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm. That's interesting. To me, Be- um, because it's things that, I mean, according to that depiction, you know, that, that definition of why it's important is that it's things that remind you of you, of what you did during your life. Yeah. And so the things like my things, like my, my, my treasure is not necessarily what I was doing or that, it, that it, I did that. It's, it's the meaning that I don't know, like how it came to me. I mean, like, it's it's not anything in particular to my life. Like, I didn't pick up the T-shirt at Niagara Falls. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Not like that. Okay. Mm-mm. It's more like the elephant that I just picked up. All right, well, that makes sense. I might get that. I mean, that's just the other side of the coin. Mm-hmm. And I think it's uh, valid. I mean, in fact, I know it's valid. I know it's valid because we talk about it. So I know it's valid. Right. But see, now the elephant is important to me because I know what happened, how it came into my life and it will stay. So later on when I'm not here, I don't know if other people will feel it special. They'll they'll be like, well, that's my mom's or that was, you know, whatever. They might just toss it. Yeah, but see, if I had been with you when you got the elephant from the person, I might have stolen the toaster and I'd remember how I got that toaster. While you were trying to get you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. See, that's how things truly do add up, you know. When there's real there's no real value to the item. It's just what the circumstance. <laughs> you know, in which case you write a book, John. <laughs> You know, um, but yeah, like there was a little attachment, like, wow, we're just going to throw out the whole couch. Just throw it out. I don't care. And um, <laughs> the person I was talking to yesterday and telling me all, all how it's so hard for her to, to throw out anything. And I told her I threw out the couch. She was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you first hear it, it is kind of dramatic, right? <laughs> <laughs> You the couch, yeah. And I drove my car off a cliff or whatever. I mean, that's a, that's a film and Louise story. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's cute. And then, like, I have this um, this old maple table that that um, we used to sit around when I first started doing the Mary Lee show. And it extends; it has leaves that you know that fold underneath so that you can pull them out, and make it longer. And um, anyway, I've had this for years and years. I mean, so many years. And I was ready to get rid of it when we moved. And Peter's like, no, mom, no, I'm not ready to do that yet. <laughs> yeah, good for him. Yeah. yeah, and so we still have it, yeah. 
Well, I mean, that's good that he's got some, you know, has some territorial, yeah. you know, connection to that stuff. And mm-hmm. that's all right, you know. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I'm, I've, I'm sure I've had it for 20 years. At least, at least. Yeah, maybe 25. I, uh, I gave a piece of furniture to Brian yesterday. Yeah. Uh, that's 123 years old. Sitting right here in my office. All right. Um, yeah, give me a whole tree. Mm-hmm. But I want him to have it. Um, I just do. I think it's. it's well, yeah. Me. You're passing it down. Yeah, I am. I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's plus he, he can, plus he's got the space to use it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we're all on the move. Everybody's on the move. Yeah. So how do you feel with it gone? Uh, he hasn't picked it up yet. I just we just oh, identified okay. it as he's going to come get when he wants. Oh, okay. I'm in no rush. So. Gotcha. Hmm. Just, it's his. Yeah, I have this um a white hutch, that's pretty big. It's um, it's it was in the backdrop of most of my shows, and Emma has already claimed that as hers. So if I get rid of it, it's going to wherever it is she's going to be. I can't get rid of it until she can take it. But yeah, that's that has been iconic i think in our family when my hmm. when my when my mother died i guess she died after my dad so that left me and uh we had 36 rooms in the house in the main house and then hmm. the, there was a guest a guest house a gate house and um they were all full of stuff i mean from the from the turn of the century forward Mm-hmm. And uh, she'd never done anything with any of it. And I said, Mom, what do you do with this? And she said, This before she died. She said, That's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah she, was, yeah. she wasted no time telling me it was my problem. Yeah. That sounds you know. just like you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You mean the, the walnut doesn't fall far from the tree or whatever it is? Yep. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. The fruit, I think it is, John. <laughs> Yeah. You know, then that's the one thing that I think about quite a bit in living in a mansion. You know, it, it just the accumulation of stuff. You know, and then it's just like because I've been through the process of downsizing mm-hmm. and just getting rid of everything. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's such a task. You know, so and and it's just as much of a task. You know, when you move into a new place, your old furniture doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. Right? So you got to get yeah. rid of it, and then you got to figure out what you're going to keep and, you know, substitute and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's a job. Yeah. You'll be okay. You'll handle it. Yeah. I'll uh, handle it. I'll handle um, it. <laughs> I'll take you some coasters for the new furniture. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, believe me, I'm already thinking of the color scheme and fabrics. <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's funny because you see it like one way, however, the, the previous owner had it, you know, and it's fine, you know, when you're, I don't know, sometimes it's just like, oh, you know, it's lovely, this, that. But once you start to own it, you know what I mean? Like you're owning it emotionally you own it mm-hmm. and you're walking through it and you're just like that's gotta go okay that no i can't have that at all 
Well, yeah, it's like moving into the White House. Everybody changes it to the decor to the, whoever they are, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it's a bigger, nicer place, but that's all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully. I don't know. It's a, it's, a, um, it's a task I'm willing to take on. You know what else? I just want to make sure you have a driveway because I'm going to drive my rig in there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got a driveway. I got a driveway. You know what I don't have? What? Is a, a helipad. I need that. A helicopter pad. You've got to get permission to bring the helicopter in first. Forget about the pad. You got to get permission from all the neighbors to allow the damn thing to land. It's pretty loud, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, um, I, I had to go through that when I was at uh, Skunk Bay. Yeah. And I had to get permission because <laughs> I learned that the hard way because we brought a helicopter in one mm-hmm. time off of one of the yachts. Yeah. And um, my neighbors let me know real fast that I wasn't <laughs> at airport. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not going to fly. Wow. Mm. So it was an occasional thing, but it was kind of fun. I had, I think the the most, the most, um, well, people would look, I mean, I had neighbors. It was, these lots were like, you know, I don't know, 15, 2,000 feet deep and, you know, like 120 or 30 feet wide. They were long and narrow lots. Uh-huh. And they were all on the water. I was looking right at Whidbey Island and up the straits, mm-hmm. or, you know, up that direction. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we had neighbors every, like, every 100 feet or, to, or 200 feet. So we were just kind of close, but not really close. And uh, so they were watching, so everybody's watching what you're doing, right? Right. And when I moved in, they, one of my neighbors on the left thought that I was John Lacoste, Lacoste, L-A-C-O-S-T, of the T-shirt of the sure. Men's Sports the alligator. Yeah, yeah, the alligator. Yeah, I was the alligator guy. Mm-hmm. So now they're just, you know, they're they're like jaw-dropping. Oh, my God, you can't believe who moved in. So the whole neighborhood now is talking about this guy, this, this sportswear magnet who just moved into the neighborhood, which, of course, wasn't true. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, because of what I was doing, uh, like a 150-foot yacht pulls up and parks outside in my front. Guy mm-hmm. p- launches a boat, comes ashore, and walks his dog on my shore because he knows who I am, knows I'm there, and he can, you know, water his dog on my shore just because he could. It was fun. So that accelerated the whole thing. Mm. And um, that's how it sort of – and it, it taught me a lesson in terms of style. And that is that once it starts like that, you really do have the option at that point to either make it real or kill it. It really depends on what your intention is. And I killed it, but I could have run that thing forever. You Wait, know, I, I'm lost here. Wait a minute. I could, have been, I, could have been, I could have been a sportswear magnet oh. for a long enough time <laughs> yeah. for a long enough time to put together a limited partnership on paper that didn't exist to talk to all my neighbors about investing as if I were Ernie Madoff and I could have probably put, I bet you I could have, I, I could have probably stripped a half a million dollars out of that neighbor, just the neighbors. Yeah. And uh, what? And what? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. On complete zero hot air, nothing. Right. Nothing. Right. Just because somebody said, oh, you know who's in the neighborhood? Right. Yeah. How do you do? Raise my hand. You know? Not. <laughs> Could you imagine? 
<laughs> I mean, it just goes to show you, you know, what literally what we can do and what pe- pe- some people actually do, you know, because well, they do it all the time. Yeah, that's... they understand. <laughs> yeah, they do it all the time. It's going on as we speak. That's right. Know? That's <laughs> Look right. Look at your computer. Your computer is full of it. You know, it depends on who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's catfishing going on everywhere. Everywhere. Oh. It's, I don't know. It's terrible. I don't know. Uh, I've, I've, I've heard so many stories about women, women, you know, getting taken. And I sit there and I think to myself, oh, gosh. But you know what? These same people will not invest in themselves to learn how to avoid that. Same thing. No, because they want it to be real. They want it to be real. Yeah, but I mean, if you want to stop the pain, right? If you want to stop the injustice, the betrayal, if you want to be able to start trusting people, you need an education. Dear God, to spend a few bucks, sit down and start reading and watch what happens. And I, I just think that there's um, a little bit of a disconnect in their belief that anything could actually be like that you know well i think they're looking for a shortcut somehow oh, you know who okay. wants to study yeah and okay so to your point you're right people don't want to study and really apply and have to change and i don't want to change why don't they change type of thing but it gives you so much clarity to let go of what you're holding on to that you don't even realize you know so it's to your benefit to become lighter even if you don't want to study it, once through is going to clean up quite a bit. I agree with that. I agree with that. But I think you'd almost have to hand carry that. Let's let's just say a let's just say a, a woman who's being catfished. Let's say a widower, mm-hmm. a widow, a widow from a, with a wealthy estate who's lonely, and I'm sure she's a target immediately. I mean, there's got to be algorithms that are that are crawling all over these women's profiles to make sure that the guys get them right from boiler rooms that have you know 2500 callers or 3000 whatever it is 300 callers something mm-hmm. they're scamming them for their money and i bumped into one of those situations where i mean there was there was there was not just audio it was also pictures and stories and and all kinds of stuff to yeah. the point where even when they knew they were being scammed they continued with the money anyway. Wow. Like, you know, I mean, it's like maybe they're wrong. Maybe they're wrong. Maybe D- whoever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. You know, you don't know. You don't know the relationship I have with this with this person. You don't know. You know, mm-hmm. he says all the right things. He's. Mm-hmm. I know him. I know. I know he's hurt. I know he's in the hospital in Vancouver. I know that. I just know. <laughs> that. You, know? you know, I know that. He's. I'm. He's not. In Albuquerque in a boiler room. I know that. He's in Vancouver Hospital. Oh, God, you know. And I'm going to send him another $3,000. Okay. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, good. But, I mean, it's it's, they themselves don't want to be wrong. You know what I mean? So you keep giving the benefit of the doubt. Right. I mean, you're right. I mean, you're dead right. Mm-hmm. You know they want to be they don't want to be wrong because then they make they make them foolish. Yeah. And uh, gosh, you know. Right. I mean, think like of the gotta... people. Think of the very important people that Bernie Madoff took, with a you know with with a two story scam operation, where he's cooking the books on one floor and talking to people on the other floor. I'm and it was a, a complete Ponzi scheme. You know, I'm not a revolving door. 
Well, I mean, he was the biggest. It was the biggest Ponzi scheme ripoff in the history of Wall Street. Where the guy is running a, a management investment company on like floor 20, where he's where he sets up a thing of traders and everything else, and then and he's taking the money and passing it down to the 19th floor, where he is reprocessing the same money and then paying it back to his investors as dividends, but keeping the balance. So he was always keeping keeping people happy by giving them dividends of their own money. He wasn't <laughs> doing anything with it. Sounds like a banker to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he died in jail. In fact, his kids who worked for him, one of them uh, killed himself that I'm aware of. Oh, wow. He, he, was so, he was so distressed over his father's shenanigans. And so wow. um, that's, um, I've had, that's... I mean, gosh, I had people in my business they were coming to me and, and you know writing bad checks just to sit on a yacht, just be, just 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 to have a meeting. You know they would they would go through the whole elaborate process of wanting to buy the yacht, put down a deposit, which of course was no good, and they want to go sit on the yacht, which you usually get permission to do, and then they would invite the mark down to visit on the back of the yacht, which at that point became their yacht, and then they would scam them for the money, and that would be it, and they walk away, and they'd say, oh, we're not interested, or you know, whatever. Wow, those are high stakes right there. Oh yeah, but they would do it. I mean, they don't. I mean, it's let's you know, what is it? Go big or go home? Yeah, is that what it is. Well, yeah. these guys are good at going big. Dang, I do that. I had a guy. I had a guy um, come in one time, and uh, he wanted to live on a. He was. He's like, I'm in town. I'm new in town. I tell you a story about the guy. That, well, I got two of those stories, really. You want to hear those stories? <laughs> yeah, about, I do. About, the, about the guy that, that fabricated the CD, the certificate, certificates of deposit to buy a boat. He made them himself. No. Uh, yeah, I had one of those guys. And I had another guy that came in. And he was, and he was, remember the guy that threw me the keys to his car? Yes. Okay. He comes in and he, he walks in the first time, walks in the first time, holds himself out to be a, the new contractor for the United Airlines building in downtown Seattle. He is the contractor. Now, I have no idea the United Airlines is going to build a building or whatever, and I've never seen this guy, so I just take him at face value. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's the contractor for the United Airlines building. How nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, he, says, he says, I'm thinking about maybe I'd like to buy a yacht. Uh -huh. um, what do you think? What do you got? So I am, you know, I, I, click, I click right into... <laughs> Help out a buddy mode. Sure. And I happen to know Bob Reed, who is the Reed Sand and Gravel. And he has a big yacht right behind me. And he's a big time contractor. Well, he ought to be the he ought to be the concrete guy for the new United Airlines building, I'm thinking. So I <laughs> so I tell Bob I call Bob and say, Bob, I got this contractor here in the office for the new United Airlines building in downtown Seattle. And he'd like to he's in your maybe in your yacht. You know, could I put him aboard and him, you know, maybe he could stay there? So he, so yes, of course. So he goes aboard the boat. Then he calls Bob Reed because he knows his number at this point. And he says, Bob, would you mind if I stood on your boat tonight? Um, I just want to kind of get a feel for it, you know, see what it's like. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. Yeah, fine. So now these are businessmen, big time <laughs> no. businessmen, shaking hands. I've put them together. One is phony as a $3 bill, and the other one is the real deal. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, and, my gosh. And I'm, so, so, um, 
God. They meet they meet in my office the next day. Bob comes in. He's a hell of a guy. We really liked him. And uh he he's one told me we're out in a, a meeting one time. He says, Anytime any he said um he said, anytime you tell a waitress you want a bottle of wine that costs more than ten dollars, you're after the waitress, John. Forget it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway, he um so they meet in my office. And so, so the guy, the, the phony guy, tells Bob Reed, I'm going to make you the contractor for the sand and gravel and all the concrete for the new United Airlines building. What? And yeah, oh tells him God. that. Tells him that. Yeah. And then, uh, why don't you give me, and then ask him for a letter on his letterhead that has him agree to be the contractor and they go through a bunch of stuff about how that is and Reed writes him a letter. Bob Reed writes on his corporate letterhead that identifies him as the contractor for the new United Airlines building and Bob Reed, who is a solid as a gold brick, is going to be the contractor. Okay. So okay. now the bad guy has got Reed's signature and letterhead that authenticates him as the real deal. Okay. Now, he goes down to Nordstrom's, and I know Bruce Nordstrom. Right. Bruce Nordstrom and I, are, you know, he's got a yacht, same place. Uh-huh. He goes in on Christmas Eve night. He walks in to Nordstrom's, because he had, in the meantime, he had managed, managed to meet a girl that he had a suite on this girl, and she's like his girlfriend, but he's got, he can't rub two nickels together, but he wants to impress this girl. Yeah. So he goes to Nordstrom's and he goes in at Christmas Eve, it's late, and he buys twenty five or thirty thousand dollars worth of jewelry and trinkets for his girlfriend. Okay. And he reaches in his pocket and pulls out a bad check, a personal check, and starts to write it. And the clerk says, I'm sorry, sir, we can't take a personal check for this merchandise. You'll have to make other arrangements. He says, You know who I am? You have an idea who the fuck I am. Yeah. And so he down. Then he pulls out this letter from Bob Reed. He says, you yeah. call Mr. Nordstrom and you tell him who I am. Here, this is who I am. I'm the new contractor. But, and there's Bob Reed, my contractor. Da, da, da. They get on the phone to Nordstrom. Nordstrom clears the deal. Oh, my goodness. Clears the deal. Gives him the jewelry. Thanks him for his time. And off mm-hmm. they go. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. Well, then that that all ended up in the final analysis with the guy running down the street, throwing him the keys, throwing me the keys to his Mercedes 600 as the cops tackled him in the drive in the parking lot. <laughs> and he went to jail. Yeah. But that's how that that's that's the backside of that story. Holy shit. That was big. <laughs> we went to get we went to get the merchandise from his girlfriend and she claimed that it was hers. You know, she got it. No ill-gotten stuff here. It's my jewelry. So we threatened to throw her in jail and she gave it to us. <laughs> I mean, I, there was at no point thinking this isn't going to, you know, go through <laughs> eventually when we found out. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. So how long is he in jail? Tell me what happened. I, for, I know he's still in jail. I, I don't know. I don't know. For me, he's dead. I don't know. But I, I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't follow this guy. Yeah, yeah. You know. Oh my gosh! So then, how was your relationship with Bob Reed later? 
Oh, <laughs> well, because everything kind of came came full circle, it was okay. Yeah. But uh, but you know, we both we both laughed about it, but but uh, it wasn't. <laughs> it was pretty dicey. Pretty dicey. Oh my yeah. gosh, that a, that's mm-hmm. a story. That is a story. <laughs> you know, and you're telling it, and I'm wondering if um if he ever told it to anybody or if anybody can vouch for that you know like his friends his friends going what are you doing what are you doing right now you're gonna get caught (laughs) i don't think that ever i don't think that's ever part of the equation i don't think getting caught ever enters their mind i mean they they know that but that's you know part of the deal right i don't think that's yeah right no I've, i've had people i mean they're they are so focused on the scam that that's just like a movie it really is like a movie. It plays it like a movie. Yeah. And then they're just going for it. Right. And you catch them. And then that's what, that's why they're, that's why you got to be careful because they can be dangerous because they're so focused that they will kill you if they have a chance because they don't want to be caught. And if they can get rid of you, turn you to vapor before they can be caught getting rid of you, they will do that. Yeah. So you want to be really careful how you approach a full on scam underway. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> that was a lot. So, how how much money was that altogether? Think. Be- well, on that on that on that one, it wasn't very much. It was only about thirty thousand dollars, because the, the scam was very elaborate. But he only took about thirty thousand bucks for the jewelry to give to his girlfriend, and then that whole thing blew up. The check bounced. Norsen went crazy and went after us. We you know, and then we then I tagged the guy, and we we everybody gets on the phone and and. Um, I had a banker call me one time. He was so mad he lost his he'd lost his voice. His voice. He was so mad he couldn't he couldn't even speak. Wow! Because he he'd been hit with a he'd been hit with a phony deal in a fifty eight foot Hatteras yacht fisherman, and at that, in those days that was about a four hundred thousand dollar problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, we were the Hatteras dealer for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh my God, he just he couldn't believe it. I mean, this guy walks in. Mm-hmm. This guy walks into my office again, comes to me, he's wearing a leather hat, gold jewelry, and some, some you know, Southwest sort of clothing. And he says, I'm moving into this area, and I kind of think I'd like to live on a boat when I'm here. Of course, I hear that story all the time. Mm-hmm. I like to live on a boat. What yeah. have you got? Well, I, I have a look out the window. Well, you know, here we go. So he looks at this, and he's, the first boat he sees this Hatteras 58 LRC. And I say, he says, Armin Yacht Fish. He's, I said, that's that's a pretty nice boat. He said, oh, yeah, I, I like that boat. Can we look at it? Yes, we do. So we look at the boat. He said, well, he said, I got to move some money in here to get this done. He said, what, uh, is there a, who's your, who do you bank with? Yeah. I said, Rainier Bank. Greg Hall, Rainier Bank. He's my banker at Rainier Bank. Yeah. He says, well, okay. Um, uh, they have a trust department? I said, oh, yeah, I'm sure they do. Well, let me, I said, can I use your phone? Yes. So he sits down at my desk. He calls the trust department of Rainier Bank. He says, my name is Billy Doodle. And I um, am at the, I'm at the yacht sales company here. And I'm going to come on into um, Seattle. And uh, I'm going to move in here. I'm going to move some money. I like to move some money in to handle this transaction. Uh, would you, could I make a deal with you guys to move the money in from the bank or whatever it is to your bank? Yeah. Well, of course, yes. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, thousands, millions of dollars. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. So then he says to me, he says, would you, um, I got to travel now. Would you sort of get the yacht ready for me to sort of, you know, get ready for me and the survey and so forth? I said, oh, yeah. 
So now I'm smelling the deal myself. Mm-hmm. I'm smelling the sale. So I'm going to go for that, of course. Yes, I'll get ready for it. No problem. I still have possession of the boat, so what's to worry about? Mm-hmm. So then he goes down and he finds a commercial real estate guy on the same day and asks him if he's got any businesses for sale because he's looking for a print shop. He finds a print shop. And he goes to the print shop guy, introduces himself as the buyer of the print shop, and wants to work with the guy sort of shoulder to shoulder for a day or so to kind of get close to the business. <laughs> On the second oh. day, he asks the print shop owner if he could stay over after work and kind of learn the inventory. Print shop owner agrees, tosses in the keys, and goes home. The guy opens up the presses and begins to build fake certificates of deposit. <laughs> now, well, now we go to the meeting, the closing of the yacht. The bank is there at the table. I'm there at the table. Everybody's there. And this guy opens up an envelope and pulls out and he says, here's my, my um, you know, the, um, the money yeah. moving in. Mm-hmm. And he goes into a rage as he pulls him out. He's, he said, oh, my God, these guys, I can't believe what they did. I told them to send the certificates of deposit. They've sent copies. I can't believe they did this to me. <laughs> and he goes into this complete hat-throwing rage. And the bank says, no problem, sir. We'll handle it. And reaches over for the fake copies pulls him back and slips him the title to the fucking boat and he's gone. Oh my God. <laughs> now, now, every day, no, another, a day goes by and I'm back at the office and my phone rings and it's Greg Hall from the bank. Mm-hmm. He is, he's squealing on the phone. He's screeching. Mm-hmm. He says, he says the guy's a fake. We don't. We lost the boat. We don't have the CDs. The the thing is running off the CDs. None of this is real. He says, "What can we do?" We call the Coast Guard, and they 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 pull up a forty boat and a helicopter. We go looking for this guy. We find him. He's on his way across the Pacific. He, he he's so stupid. Didn't even know he can't make it. And <laughs> we stop him, bring him back, get the boat back, and he goes to jail. And I end up taking the boat to the Gold Cup, and I end up being on that boat. The guest for Rainier Bank. I end up running the guest boat for the team members for the drivers' families at that year's Gold Cup on the boat that this guy tried to buy. And. <laughs> so oh my gosh that is crazy that is crazy so what happened when when you know everybody with the coast guard caught, caught up to him well then he what he did is he tried to pull down his anchor and he ran out 300 feet of chain and got rid of it he didn't know what to do i mean he wasn't a boater at all he was he was just a crook oh my God. um you know he just pointed the boat west and turned it on and um he was on his way to hawaii i guess i'm assuming he could find it <laughs> No idea what to do. <laughs> oh God! You know, I've, I've had guys. I've had guys lock themselves in their boat and threaten to commit suicide if we tried to repossess their boat. <laughs> oh gosh! Wow! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh! Oh yes! 
Oh my god! But the mentality—who thinks like that? Like I don't know how. How I'm gonna make it across the ocean? But let's go. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Oh, that's so funny. So then, well, who knows what happened to him, huh? Well, they all. I mean, everybody. As it turns out, I guess they just don't realize that you know what's going on. I mean, I mean, we had a guy. We had a guy come in the office one time. A single guy walks in and asks for a tugboat. He wants a Mickey tug. And that's a great big yard tug for the Army. Great big tug. Okay. And uh, I said, um, and I said, yeah, I said, I can find you a Mickey, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so I said, what? I said, what do you want with a Mickey tug? You got a, you got a towing company? Are you part of FOSS? Or, you know, what's your deal? And he said, no, no. He said, I'm a... I'm buying a horse. I'm buying a horse for it. A horse? I said, Are you buying a horse for your Mickey Doug? I said, Well, yeah, I am. I said, Well, okay. Um, tell me more about that. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, as it turns out, <laughs> this this seer, this very important mystic, um, was conjuring. Apparently, it developed a a a, a, um, a spirit that was uh, in the horse. It become the horse. Uh-huh. Uh And she was running a, um, a a a camp for spiritual people up up the road a ways, like a few miles. And uh, <laughs> and she and she told him that the spirit. The spirit wanted to wanted to reincarnate as a human through this horse, oh, and and that he thought he could that she thought that he could do it with this it'd be pretty good. So anyway, the guy she charges him a quarter of a million dollars for the horse. <laughs> I sell him the tug. I sell him the tug for one hundred and ten thousand dollars. He he takes the tug to Friday Harbor, where he starts to build a, a scaffolding on the back of the tug to hold the horse to copulate with a woman oh on the God. tug to have to have the baby, which is a reincarnation of this great spirit. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> Oh, you can't make this shit up. So anyway, two suits walk in my office a few days later. And they are from downtown New York City. And they say, have you seen? So, so I said, yeah, I'm just here. Well, I'm pretty hard with this tugboat. They, were, they say, where is that? <laughs> well, they were lawyers for the family. Yeah. This guy said, he was a trust fund junkie for a major U.S. corporation that everybody's name would, that everyone would recognize their name. And he was spending the old man's money, and they caught him. They brought the lawyers in. They just put a sack over his head and took him back to New York. And um, that was the end of that. Yeah, we got the tug back. Oh, well, give away. <laughs> what about the horse? Well, I mean, I don't put him on a ranch someplace. He went back to the ranch, I guess. Maybe she could sell him again. I don't know. Well, what happened to her for <laughs> selling him that horse? He's still in business. She's still there. Oh, my gosh. That's why we're not missing any names. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so is she repeating this story? 
That's why it's a great spirit, and he's from a corporation unknown because oh it's still going on. Oh my gosh! Wow, <laughs> talk about gullible. No wonder. I mean, <laughs> oh my god! No wonder men are afraid of women. That's witchy. <laughs> that is total witchy. <laughs> well, there was a there was a lot of big time Hollywood personalities that bought into it too. Mm. So you know, everybody's vulnerable. I guess I don't know. But um, we all get caught. Oh. But really, the spirit into the horse. Hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, after you, if you, if you, what do you do? You suck the lube oil long enough, or drink the Kool Aid, or whatever. Yeah, long enough. You yeah, to believe it. You know. Yeah. And um, it's um, it's fun to see it coming. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Wow. We had um. It was a great life. I mean, you, when you consider the stuff that I went through in the large yacht business, and then we, and then, we, then I, that's why you know I moved into counter and that kind of stuff. And then we were doing really big deals. Mm-hmm. We went from we went from, you know five six hundred thousand dollar deals all the way up to millions. And you know, then we started building yachts, and then it was fifty sixty million dollars a pop, and and up, and then we were, and finally I was at two hundred million. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was, uh, but that was all real. You know, we were actually, we actually had merchandise. We were taking, I took a whole subdivision one. I took an entire subdivision in trade. You know, who does that? Right. The trade and, team. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I just, I just, I mean, this guy was a big time builder. And I said, what, you know, and so, and he wasn't, he wasn't accustomed to having anyone ask him that question. Mm-hmm. You know, people would, could I buy a lot? Because I want to buy three of your lots to build three of my houses. Right. I say, no, I'll take your whole subdivision. I want all 550 lots. Right. I'll take them all, you know, mm-hmm. um, or whatever. Right. And um, right. So it's, um, it's, it's just a whole different deal. And, and he um, said, okay, for the yacht. Yeah. Yeah. Because at some point, and I don't sure when that point is, but at some point, self-indulgence becomes as important as anything else because you're bored. You're bored with the money. You've got too much money. You, you just don't, you don't worry. What do you do with all this money? Right. Well, I have, uh, first of all, I want a jet or I want a yacht or I want both. Mm-hmm. I want at least two houses. I want you to move into a neighborhood where the people that live in this neighborhood are either workers, uh, Domestic workers or people that own two houses. You know, there's no middle class. Mm-hmm. So that's what they do. And and they uh, and then they get completely distorted in their view of life. Mm-hmm. And because they're it's new money, old money won't do that. Old money will never do that. They'll get scammed by new money, but they will never make a bad call because they've been there, done that. And they really understand the problem. Mm. But new money, they don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah. So they just throw it around. I mean, um, I had a rock and roll star, a rock star come into my office with a full, a full stack media company, cameras rolling, all kinds of stuff, because he wanted to have himself filmed buying a yacht. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 You know? Mm-hmm. And um, then, oh. he's, then he sits, sits down at my desk and he gets more excited about the camera I have on my desk and he does about the yacht. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing I know, he, he goes to a, he goes down to um, a camera shop afterwards, buys every single thing they've got. 
takes it home and invites me over to his house where he's living. He just bought a house in Bellevue to uh, to look at this camera stuff and let him know, let him know what I thought of it. So I did. Uh-huh. And he's a big time rock star. Uh, and you know that's and that's he, he just wants someone to talk to. Yeah. He just wants someone to talk to. Hmm. I was riding my motorcycle one day. I was riding my motorcycle down in Port of Seattle. And a a guy that I know who's got some money um, looks at me and says, where did you get that motorcycle? I said, I got it downtown Harley. He said, well, I want one of those. (laughs) I said, well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) They got some. (laughs) So we go down to downtown Harley. Yeah. He goes in. He buys every single motorcycle on the floor, every single motorcycle, every fixture off the wall, all the inventory, all the everything, everything, and ships it to the Midwest for so he can have his own motorcycle stop in his own garage. Bought everything there was to buy. Wow. Then he puts all that stuff in a van there and takes it to uh, Sturgis for the motorcycle thing because he doesn't want to ride the bicycles, the bikes to Sturgis because yeah. he doesn't know how to ride. Yeah. He's going to cart them there and then he'll just sort of walk them out in the street and stand by them. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh okay so aside from the woman with the jewelry all these are men doing all this stuff this is men yeah the only one yeah right that's right (laughs) well the one with the jewelry she was what what, are you trying to tell me something (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is how men think (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay well men are yeah men are hunter-gatherers i guess sure okay but this is gathering the wrong stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Throwing the okay. dice. Was... <laughs> you know, and every time you win, you're going to roll them harder. Oh, yeah, of course, because it's like, I mean, it's just like the movies. It's just like the movies, you know, name your movie, whatever you're, whatever you're knocking off the bank or the, you know, the, the Louvre or whatever you're going to steal or whatever. Uh-huh. And the the focus, the intensity is amazing. And um, that's just how it is. I mean, it's. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had a guy one time <laughs> trying to sink his boat. He was in trouble trying to sink his boat, collect on the insurance. And he, he, was, he didn't have a lot of money, so he couldn't afford to fill the tanks with fuel. Uh-huh. So he's got these great big, effectively, these great big tanks in his boat. It was a long-range cruiser that are empty. So they're essentially bladders. Okay. He forgets to think about that. So he goes out, he punches a hole in his boat and brings it a wash, but it won't sink. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now what? That was well, that was funny because the, the boat was recovered and it was fine and he's getting rid of his problem. He just embarrassed the shell of himself. All right. Yeah, so he's another... got a bigger problem. Now oh, he's gotta yeah. fix the boat. I had a guy that bought another boat, great big boat one time, and he was so full of himself uh, that he, on his maiden voyage, he took all of his friends and put them on a, put them aboard and whatever it was and didn't have a captain yet, so he was in charge and da-da-da-da-da. And he puts the thing, runs it hard aground in about the first mile of his trip. He's hard aground in the mud, and he can't get it off. And it's right in the middle of Lake Union, right downtown Seattle. And um, <laughs> so everybody is looking at him. And, of course, they know it's his boat because he's told the entire world about this boat. Oh my and there it is stuck in the mud. 
So how do you fix that? <laughs> well, you, you brought in, they brought in Foss and Madsen and all sorts of big companies with cranes and floats. All kind, because in the lake, see, there's the, the, the Hiram Chitlin locks are in the flow of the, of the Lake Union Ship Canal to bring large tugboats and large ship you know, stuff in and out. So you can get really big boats in this little tiny lake. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, but there's no tide because yeah. it's, it's fresh water. There's no, there's no up and down. So there's nothing to float you off the problem. Like there is if you're out in the ocean, yeah. you could float off at high tide. Not this situation. He's in the mud forever. So they had to artificially buoy the boat up with bladders and cranes to get it up high enough to pull it off. <laughs> and uh, so it was a major project, major project. So all those people had to be rescued. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Of course. <laughs> that was a, that was the easy part. Oh. Was getting the boat out of the mud that was the hard part. Oh, God, how embarrassing! <laughs> oh gosh, I'll be like, I don't went, ever I, invite me to anything again. <laughs> when I first got in the business, um, one of my first sea trials was in a eighty foot greeby. And um, I had customers on board. <laughs> and uh, I, I came back afterwards, and I, and I, and I find it the wrong stall. I, find, I think I'm in the right stall, but I'm not. I'm coming in with this boat. into this, and These are big covered stalls. These are big facilities. And I parked this baby in the wrong stall, and, I, and it's too narrow. And I stick the boat in the stall, stick it right in there. Yeah. And it's wedged in now. I wedged it because I made the wrong move, and um, yeah, I made a, I did a lot of damage to that one too. Ugh. One night, one time we got drunk and um, we were, and we were in the back of a boat and we were breaking up fuses, uh, f- um, flares. We were sort of popping out flares to see what they were like, and we ended up putting a flare in the back of the boat. We burned up the boat. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> How did that happen? Well, we put the boat on fire. I know it was but pretty simple. Obviously, you didn't shoot it at the boat. You shot it up, and it it just turned around. And well, then... no, but see, you, you strike it off, and you you rip it, your hand back down to the right, and it fires into the floor. You know, it's okay, <laughs> and it starts the boat on fire. Oh my gosh! Talk about panic yeah. mode. Yeah, well, let's see. Call the fire department; they come take care of you. You know. <laughs> Oh I think it's safe to say that uh, the majority of people have not experienced any of these things, John. <laughs> oh, I mean, the stories go on for days. I mean, just uh-huh. for days. I know. Uh, yeah. And and you know what? I don't even remember these stories being in the book. They're not. I could write another book, I guess, just about <laughs> these stories. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And Dill's Danger Destiny is what, 300 something pages? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) These are not in there. (laughs) My gosh. Yep. But, you know, you've got a lot of years, a lot of years. Yeah. How many years were you in in the yacht business? Well, I don't know. I mean, it was, I don't know, 30 years plus or minus, I suppose. I mean, if you consider, you know, a long time, 25 years officially, but I had some lag time. That was some tail time Mm -hmm. back and forth. Yeah. So, it's a long time. And we, um, 
we would, um, oh gosh, yeah. Big casinos. We walk into big casinos and sit there and just watch the money flow. Um, the, the nice part about that business was that I could be, I could be a part of the show without having to pay. I had no admission fee because I was being brought in by these people who had all the money. Yeah. You know, and what I learned from them, I learned a lot from them about what I had to do. I mean, I learned how to do counter trade when I was sitting in the bar at Franco's, the back bar at Franco's. And I sit down with this guy that I know who has a boat. And I say, tell me about how you're making your money. Yeah. And he said, well, he said, I am the, I make, I make the door locks for airline doors. I said, what, what else? He said, no, that's all I make. I make the door locks for airline doors. I said, well, how many do you make? He said, I make them all. I am the contractor for airline door locks. Wow. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, what's your, then what's your secret? He said, you want to find something obscure that no one's really doing, and then you want to do a really good job of doing just that and get a reputation for doing just that. Don't diversify. Do some one thing really good, mm. and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And I decided that I was going to start counter trading because I read about counter trade because I was then you know looking for something to do to follow his advice and it was counter trading. Wow. And um I went from making a living to doing two hundred million dollar deals. Yeah. Crazy. And yeah. And a reputation. And nobody yeah. else can yeah. <laughs> nobody else can stand <laughs> up to. Wow. And that's you know what that's what we have in common, I think. Yeah, you and I have a lot in common. Yes, obviously. Historically and actually, and I think um, I think that we are. What do they say when you have a recessive gene? When the gene is flying through space, it gets confused. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I couldn't figure out which way to go, <laughs> so it went both ways at once. <laughs> right, but I mean, what I'm saying is just the focusing on that one thing, you know, and and people will call it your niche or niche, right? But. I don't know. What do you think about that? No, I, I agree. I mean, well, I, I think you're right. I mean, you and I are, you and I are a testament. I mean, if people are listening to this, they know that we are a testament of what, to one another. Yeah. About what we're doing. Yep. And I think that not everyone knows what we're doing either, at least at this point. But they know that we're writing books, we're supporting one another, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we're focused on getting your message out. Right. And I'm writing your story. Right. Because your story is bigger than my story. So I'm in your light, but I'm enjoying it. You know, I don't need to be the top run guy anymore. Yeah. But what's so fascinating is that you're not writing my story like a ghostwriter. You're literally writing my story, a story that I I don't know about. (laughs) Yeah, no, I am writing the story. That's well, that's the beauty of our relationship is that I'm seeing you for who you are. Yeah. And uh, I've acquired that uh, not through experience, but just it just happened. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, all this, that's all this, the, the uh, <clears throat> spooky at a distance stuff that Einstein figured out, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think that's the reason that happened is because I've got a pretty fair science background. And um, uh, so that I became sort of seasoned at that kind of stuff. And when you do that, I mean, it's like paying attention. When you pay attention to the signs, to what you see, you know, then you're helped along. Right. That's true. Somebody helps you. Somebody helps you. That's true. You know, if you don't care, then nobody else cares. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so but true. if you do care and you pay attention, wow. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hmm. uh, I mean, if you, I mean, science is simple as, as like in numerology. I was reading this thing about these comparisons, you know, about like paying attention to how things work. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln was elected president in 1860 and Kennedy in 1960. Mm-hmm. Both were assassinated on a Friday. Right. Yeah. Lincoln was killed in Ford's Theater. Kennedy was killed riding a Lincoln convertible mm-hmm. made by the Ford Motor Company. It goes on, but the Ford Motor Company has a plant here in Seattle. Nobody knows that either. Their first West Coast plant was here. Mm-hmm. And it's still standing. But those kind of things go on, and, and you follow that stuff. I mean, you're, when you're driving down the road, you're picking off stuff all the time. Right. And I'm learning from you about how that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's causing me to do research. Yeah. Well, you're good. You're good, good. Yeah, no, I guess. I mean, you're, you're the cause. You're the, you're the source material for this stuff. Well, you know, I find it interesting because my, my whole – I seem to be alone in my philosophy still. You know, like I was, I sent you that, that reel, right? That video about, um, um, about spirituality. And the guy was talking about, did you watch that one? Well, I don't know. I've, I've watched a lot of, which one? I mean, um, he was talking the, about, the, you know, uh, the, basically again, how to manifest. And he was describing, you know, the number 33 and Jacob's ladder and anointing oils and, yeah okay Okay. all All of this stuff and as i'm listening to it it's like yeah he's talking about you know (sighs) subjects but he's mixing them all up and what he is really doing is not giving the how and and eliminating the the incentive or to be a better person it's literally how to hack the system oh good point yeah, you know that happens all the time. That's that's the shortcut business, right? About earlier. Exactly. Yeah, you know, and so people yeah. are watching this, going, "Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense." Because you know they're not necessarily following Jacob's ladder, or they're not, you know, the anointing, or you know about sin. And and he went on to describe, you know, why we have sin. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, no, that's not it. But Again, it, it, there was no mention about who we are or how we are personally. It's, it, it's all about just cutting corners. And with a greater understanding, you know, you can, you can, right? And then start aligning yourself and manifesting. And it's like, mm, there was a big gap there. And it, and it kind of made sense. Like it kind of, if you wanted to, it to make sense, you wanted to agree with it, you could, but you were still left empty handed because you don't have the how. Yeah. I, I think that's a, one of the classic arguments of people that make a lot of money without education is that education is, is a false flag and it's not worthwhile. And I don't believe that, that in educating yourself has nothing to do with money. You know, if you want to be a pitch artist, go out there and pitch, you can make money. Yeah. That's so what? But if you want to be educated, that's not, the government is put to make money because you're educated problem on our hands. It's not our fault. Right. You know, right. Uh, the government made a, you know, made GS9 a, a target for, for whether or not you have a college degree. Right. But I'm, I, I'm watching on, on Facebook people that are, you know, that are whining about spending 
uh, money on a college education when they when they didn't when it was just useless for them. Well, it wasn't useless for them. You're very useless for not utilizing it, and that doesn't mean to make money. That means you're you are educated to become educated to help yourself understand the process, the world, the universe. Understand stuff. Become educated. Understand stuff. Don't get educated to make more money. Mm-hmm. Right. You can you can make money if you want money. You can make money. You know. In my case, you could even steal it. But so what? Right. You know? Right. But the promise isn't there. You know, it, it's the carrot in front of you, you know, and it keeps getting further and further away. You know, you know, we have a high school diploma and we should be able to go out there and make enough money to live. Maybe not be rich, but to go out and live. Then it's, well, you need a, a college degree. You know, so it's like, all right, I'm going to go get an associate degree. No, that's not good enough anymore. That's the equivalent of a high school degree. You need a bachelor's. All right, I'll go get my bachelor's degree. Well, that's not good anymore. You've got to go. You know what I mean? It's always more, more, more. And you're accumulating all this debt. And really, you're not learning anything that you can, you know, apply. No, no, because you're there for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. You're there for all the wrong reasons. And and they're, they're... I mean, when I went back to school, I went back to school because I want to go to school, not because I want to make more money. I have plenty of money. Right. I want to go back to school. <clears throat> right. And, uh, you know, and then I got on the faculty. I became a faculty member. Right. Finally. And I became faculty member of the year. Right. You know, I did a good job. <laughs> Talk about go big or go home. My goodness. <laughs> you know, but the idea is, though, you don't, these people who are whining about it, you don't have the luxury to go and learn, you know what I mean? You don't have the luxury of having all the money so that you can learn what you want to learn. You're trying to follow the promise of, all right, if I learn this, can I have money? Will I get a good job? And these employers, if you're looking at, you know, their, you know, their job posting, it's absolutely ridiculous what they want. They want a robot is what they want. Yeah. The criteria the lie is, is you know, it's very abusive what they're doing to people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. very abusive right and then they don't want to pay you and then they'll you know it'll seem like it's a good salary but they're going to work you to death for it and if you're making that much money you're going to get stuck <laughs> what <laughs> it is time for change isn't yes it, it yeah. is <laughs> <laughs> I think we all can agree so. merely okay. we're, we're over the we're over the hour all right. Well, I enjoyed uh, but... every story. <laughs> I <laughs> <Thank> love them. <laughs> okay. All right. I All love right. you. We'll talk later. I love you too. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.